Wolfpack Ninja Podcast, Episode 26, Dr. Noah Kaufman, The Ninja Doc. Welcome to the Wolfpack Ninja Podcast. I'm Megan Martin. And I'm Ian Dory. I'm Brian Arnold. And I'm Noah Kaufman, The Ninja Doc. Thanks for joining our weekly conversation about health, fitness, and all things Ninja Warrior. We will be interviewing all of the top American Ninja Warrior stars, and we encourage you to visit our website, www.wolfpackninjas.com. And kids, you can get your free Wolfpack Ninja Cub certificate there. If you like our podcast, please share, subscribe, and like on iTunes. Also, give us a follow on our social media. We're always posting new content, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Wolfpack Ninja and on Instagram at Wolfpack Ninja Warrior. Together, we can make the world a healthier and happier place. So join us. Hello, everyone out there. Well, we are going to switch it up a little bit this week. This is the Ninja Doc. I'm Noah Kaufman, and the Wolfpack and myself are celebrating 4th of July weekend. Hopefully, everybody else is as well. And we decided to do something a little bit different. I recently did an interview with the Half Hour Intern. This is an excellent podcast put on by Blake Fletcher, and he's a great interviewer. He really asks some poignant questions, and it's cool to have the tables turned and be interviewed for a change. Anyways, we discussed all kinds of things from medicine and being a doctor over to American Ninja Warrior and my experiences with the show. So without wasting too much time, let's get into the interview and hope you enjoy it. Ninja Warrior, the moment that buzzer sounds, you are right there, and you're hyper-aware. You can see the stillness of the water, the reflections of every light, and just the, the infinite complexity and beautiful nature of reality. It's, it's really crazy, man. It's a crazy experience. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interview Dr. Noah Kaufman, who really is just a completely overall totally rad human being. But for the purposes of today's show, the main thing that we talk about is him being an American Ninja Warrior. In addition to being an American Ninja Warrior, he is also an emergency room physician. Uh, so he has to deal with people coming to the ER and a totally irregular sleep schedule. And then he manages to somehow be in great enough physical shape to do and compete in American Ninja Warrior. And then he also started a side business to try to help kids with their nutrition and help adults with their nutrition. And he will go over all of that as well. He's just a really impressive, really cool, really nice, awesome guy. Um, so without further ado, here is American Ninja Warrior. No, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Blake, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. I'm so excited to hear about the Ninja Warrior stuff. I like I've seen that show several times and obviously like tons of YouTube tip YouTube clips get shared around. And that is so awesome to me. But before we get <laughs> yeah. there, I would love to talk about your day job, which is being an emergency physician. And you have a business that you started up called Wolfpack Ninjas that we'll cover later. As I just said, you're also an American Ninja Warrior. And you're an emergency physician, which I come from the medical world uh, prior to this. And every doctor that I knew worked probably like 10, 11 hour days. Like how I don't, I don't understand how you're running your life. You, I know you also have, have at least one child. I don't know if you have children, but you have like a separate business, an American Ninja Warrior. How do you have time to be an emergency physician? Right. Well, you know, the whole nature of my job is how many balls can you juggle and how effectively can you juggle them, and, you know, in terms of order and, and timing. And, and so really it's about balance and it's about putting the right pieces in, in the right places. And I don't watch a whole lot of TV besides Ninja Warrior. But you're right. No, I have a four-year-old son. His name is Zun. And my time is, it's stretched. It's, uh, it's maxed right now. And it's good, you know, it's good to be busy and have a lot of fun things going on. But, you know, our, our workload in the emergency department is very flexible. So I can control how many shifts I want to work. And, you know, we try and work eight hour days. Sometimes it goes over, but that leaves some of the day to do 
the things you want to do on the side. And for me, you know, there's quite a bit going on. So you don't have on-call shifts, I guess, the way that other surgeons would have or something. No, correct. Yeah. So working in the emergency department is a lot like working at McDonald's. I mean, you're basically paid hourly. You show up at a certain time, you work your shift, and you have to make sure all your clinical duties are done and that all your patients are tidied up and dispositioned correctly. And that means either admitted or sent home, discharged. But, you know, then you're pretty much out of there and you don't have to wear a pager. It's one of the perks of the job. And that's part of the reason why I chose going into emergency medicine. Wow, that is really cool. I never knew that before. So if things are starting to like really heat up with a particular season of American Ninja Warrior that you're being featured on, or if things are getting really heavy with Wolfpack Ninjas, are you able to like sign up for less shifts at the office? Well, kind of. We have a really great system within our group. Every group is different. And I've worked through, you know, with several groups uh, through my career. But with this group, which is the best group I've ever worked with, uh, our main focus is helping each other out. So you can just put up a shift for to give away or trade, and that's generally how, how we work it. Once a year, we determine how many shifts we want to work per month for the year. And right now, I'm scheduled to work um, 14 to 16 shifts. Okay, so uh, really close to a normal schedule, but with a little bit of extra time to tackle all the other stuff you got going on. Yeah, I think average for the for emergency medicine physicians about thirteen shifts a month. Now, oh, remember, crazy. Yeah, it it doesn't sound like much, but you know, tonight I'll work at midnight. I'll work midnight to seven a.m. and then, uh, you know, tomorrow I forget which shift I'm working. I have to check, but it could be. Uh, another midnight shift and then a day off and then like 4 p.m. to midnight and then a uh, half day and then 3 to 11. And Whoa. then All right. I'm so happy that you just said all that because yeah. a, a little bit later, I really want to get into like diet, exercise and sleep. And I, I want to talk about sleep a little bit because I think that's an often overlooked thing by people in terms of like overall health and fitness, you know, yeah. the with your schedule, I can't, I can't fathom being as fit as you. I can't imagine being a ninja warrior and, and you have a completely irregular sleep schedule. That's incredible. Oh yeah. It's tricky. And yeah, no sleep, sleep is very important. I, I'm, uh, I have quite a bit to say about it. And I, I, that is one part of the job that's really tough. And it's one of the reasons that you can only do, you know, 13, 14 shifts a month in the emergency department, because you do accrue a sleep deficit. And it's tricky dealing with that. It's tricky. Oh, man, I could only imagine if I if I'm short, like one hour of sleep on my night or something, I just always feel off like the whole day. No, and that never changes. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the same way. It's uh, it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. So how do you feel like being an emergency physician? And the, I, I would imagine that's like a fairly stressful environment. Um, being in a hospital in general is, is a pretty stressful environment. How do you feel that your level of fitness and activity, um, really like impacts your ability to do your job and to think clearly day to day? Um, talk a little bit about like the mind body connection that you have going on. Yeah. So everybody for a given day has a bucket that's filled with energy and that's how much energy you get for the day. And you can take that energy and you can do whatever you want with it. A lot of people don't even use their energy. And they they sit on a couch maybe. But if you use all your energy, you only have so much of it before you run out of energy. And that energy can really kind of go into mental cerebral pursuits like me practicing medicine. Or it can go into physical pursuits like me training for ninja uh, or going out into the mountains and bolting sport routes, you know, on a giant cliff. And you only get so much energy. So you have to be really careful. Um, If I run out of energy early in the day because I've worked out for four hours like a madman, then, yeah, my shift is going to suffer and I'm not going to be the ultimate doctor for my patients. Now, luckily, a lot of what I'm doing by now in my career is second nature. And so I can get away with it a little bit. But at the same time, there's obviously you know, I feel a duty to be there for my patients. So generally speaking, I will not work out until I've worked my shift so that I can spend that portion of the energy that I need to spend for my job and for my patients, I can spend fully on them. And then whatever's left over, I can pour into 
my physical pursuits or my my side business, which is the the ninjas and trying to, you know, accomplish our mission and goals there. But that's how I like to think about it. I'm really interested so. to hear you say that because I feel like the other school of thought would maybe be like an object in motion stays at motion, an object at rest stays at rest, you know? Yeah. So like, okay, work out beforehand because then you're just like juiced for the whole day because now you've already worked out. You look at it as, as more the opposite of that, that you have this like total sum of energy and uh, and that needs to be like considered when you're planning out your day. Well, that's a really good point, Blake. I think that, you know, if you just, if I just spend 40 minutes on the bike and I'm going pretty slow, uh, heart rate 120. And, you know, I like to watch like a Breaking Bad episode or something when I'm on the bike. And uh, if if I just do that, yeah, I'm like you said, I'm juiced for the day. That doesn't really take much energy. It takes, you know, one or 2% or something. And if anything, it might help, you know, there, there's studies definitely that show that your brain is, a, is more fine-tuned and, and thinks a little bit better after physical activity and exercise after a 20 minute walk, I think is what they studied. And so, no, absolutely. That's different. But when I think of working out and training, I'm thinking of at least 40 minutes at the minimum of really hard exercise and generally more like three or four hours. Wow. Yeah. So you're, yeah, you're working out at a level that's different than most people have ever experienced. Well, like what you just described about riding a bike and having a heart rate at 120, that's like what you see most people doing in the gym, you know? Yeah, that's probably true. What you were saying made me think about uh, it, like with your your concept of this total pool of energy that you have. I don't know if you've ever heard, but I heard that uh, both Steve Jobs and Albert Einstein, and I'm sure lots of other people, wore the exact same thing every single day because they believed in this concept of like decision making fatigue and decision making power, and that you had a this like overall pool of ability to make decisions throughout the day and and probably that that comes from that energy pool that you're talking about and so when you would always see steve jobs wearing blue jeans and like a black turtleneck that wasn't just like the days he was on stage like that's like what that dude wore like every single day he would just wear the same thing and every day einstein would wear the same suit and the reason that they did that was not entirely just because they didn't really care about fashion it's because it was one less thing to think about during the day and as many boxes as you can like like automate decision wise um, throughout the day, allow like freeze your brain up to make other decisions throughout the day. And it will make sense that then I guess, yeah, like freeze your just overall energy up for the entire day. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that's I've, I've heard that. And I've heard that Einstein didn't, you know, memorize his own address and et cetera, et cetera. And I, I, I think that um, it's possible. I mean, that's all hypothetical, right? I'm not sure if they, if that's, <laughs> yeah, if that's a sure. measurable, uh, studyable, Thing. I, I just think it's funny because, you know, I'm in a completely different realm way beneath those guys. But it's pretty funny because I pretty much uh, recycle my clothes as well. I, I don't like to, you know, I never think about what I'm going to wear, really. Uh, dude, <laughs> one of the great parts of working in the healthcare industry is just scrubs all day, scrubs. every day. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. So, all right. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about really quickly before we move on to American Ninja Warrior is... Again, like I have a background in the healthcare industry as well. And something that would always frustrate me when I would be in hospitals is the level of care that employees within the hospital would have for their own health or or like seeming lack of care that they would have. Like I would see um, nurses outside smoking cigarettes like on their break or just uh, like really high levels of obesity amongst the hospital staff. And it's like you're you're constantly surrounded by by the evidence of why you should not be doing these things that you're doing. And you are at a, a entire different level of fitness that I can't, e- that I can't even imagine. Is it, is it frustrating for you as a doctor that, you know, you see these patients coming to the emergency room, a lot of them, probably the things that they're dealing with could to a certain extent have been preventable. And then you look around the hospital and it's like, wow, a lot of these people in the hospital are living this same lifestyle. Is that something that irks you or have you just gotten used to it? Well, that's a great question, Blake. And let me, let me tell you, I am lucky and I think I've put myself in this situation. I'm in Colorado right now and the healthcare system that I'm a part of, there are no obese people. There are no overweight people. There are no, there's nobody in my profession who smokes. There's no nurses who smokes, who smoke. And, and trust me, I've trained in New Orleans in Baltimore shock trauma, and I've been through it all. And I have been a part of those systems. And 
not only is it horrible, but I, I can't be a part of that healthcare system. That's like the, you know, the do what I say, not what I do mentality. And I really believe that if you're going to be, you know, a priest as an analogy, well, you, you better uphold, you know, what you're preaching. Yeah. And if you're going to be a physician and telling people not to smoke and to diet and exercise, and this is how you stay healthy. Well, I mean, you know, our bodies are our temples and what better way than to walk in to a room looking young and healthy and fit and being able to practice what you preach and leading by example. So no, you're right. That's very frustrating. I really had to remove myself from that. So I came to Colorado where, uh, you know, we're leading the nation in health and fitness and, Oh man, what a massive, massive problem. How, you know, our healthcare system is in these days and, and just the health of our people. It's unbelievable. Yeah, totally. It's, it's interesting, right? Like we, we have all these talks all day long about like, Oh, why are my insurance premiums going up? Or the, you know, the, these financial things that are a problem, you know, like the, the skyrocketing yeah. cost of Medicare and stuff like that. And it's like that, should not be the conversation. The conversation should be why are these premiums going up and why like why is there a skyrocketing cost in 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 healthcare? And I mean the answer to that is is people are not healthy. And it's not it's not accidents that are happening to people. It's a lot of these things are fully preventable and insurance rates and all these things would be able to go down if people just live healthier lives, you know, did these completely, like you said, treated, treated their body like a temple, like, like it's kind of meant to be treated. Well, I agree. And and I think that everybody does agree with that statement. And I think an even more important question than the whys, the, the more important question is the, is the how. And and that is kind of the root of it because you can tell somebody, look, you need to get in shape because you know, the, the why is you're going to get heart disease, you're going to get diabetes and cancer, you're going to, you know, you have all these problems. But but the real question that they need to answer is, how can I do it without getting on an exercise bike, you know, for 40 minutes or working out four hours a day or, or you know, and, and there are answers to that. And it's not easy, but we really need a lot of public education and focus and awareness on preventative medicine and health. Because, yeah, it's it's gotten worse and worse through my career and seeing, oh man, there's a new statistic that 38% of our adults are obese and 17% of our children are obese. Obese is like a real big major health problem. That is not genetic. That is a serious issue that is preventable and is treatable before problems like diabetes, heart disease, cancer start kicking in. And that's just obesity. When you talk, when you add overweight into the equation, over 70% of our adult population is overweight and over 30% of our kids are overweight. And that means our future, a third of those kids are going to die very young from complications from diabetes, heart disease, and cancer. And it's just, unconscionable what we're doing yeah uh, it really is I, yeah. I like i i i would love to see the statistics on let's say 200 300 400 years ago how many people had type 2 diabetes like how many people could have possibly had type 2 diabetes back then you know and now it's just this given it's like yeah oh yeah like just everyone's got diabetes that's just the way it is it's 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 so sad yeah and they have they've done those epi epidemiological studies and there are not many people in those cultures uh, who get type 2 diabetes. I mean, they died from other things and they died young from tra trauma and all kinds of things. And there were other problems, obviously, uh, and vitamin deficiencies and, and all kinds of problems throughout history. But you're right. Type 2 diabetes is a first world problem. It's a modern scourge on society. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, let's put a pin in some of that stuff right now. Let's go ahead and move on to the American Ninja Warriors. So... If you could just give us like a little bit of a history of you being on the show and how this all came about in case there's anyone that has heard of the show and would possibly like to try out for it one day and stuff like that. Like, how did this all go down for you? How did you actually end up on the show? Yeah. So one of my best friends ever, you know, is, is Brian Arnold and he's been a close friend, a climber. Uh, we've gone on climbing competitions together for the last or, and road trips all across the country for the last 15 years. 
And we were sitting in Yosemite and we looked up at the TV and we were watching Ninja Warrior on G4 back in the day. Or, and I think it was the Japanese Ninja Warrior. And we were just thinking to ourselves, man, a climber would just do so well at this because we got all the upper body strength. And, you know, and, and so lo and behold, uh, the show comes out in the States on G4, uh, that network that has now become Esquire. And Brian went ahead and he, and he said, let's do it. Let's do it. And I, I was too busy with medicine, but he got on the show and he did very, very well. And he said, oh, you got to do it. And so the next year I joined in and I followed my buddy and, uh, and sure enough, you know, it was a climber's game. It was, it was amazing. That's awesome, man. So that is, was going to be one of my questions is like, what do you feel like is, is there any sort of like cornerstone physical skill, like some key thing that, that if you were to give advice, it's like that is the main thing of importance to have when being a ninja warrior. Oh, by far rock climbing, by far rock climbing. They bring Olympic gymnasts out. They bring NFL players, basketball players, parkour athletes. Nobody can touch the course. I mean, there's a couple guys who've started to get a little bit better because they've started climbing, but really it takes rock climbing. Rock climbing is the perfect obstacle training because you know, in, in gymnastics, you're doing the rings over and over and you become a world-class rings athlete. You know, you, you can do every trick on the rings, but that's all you train is one event or six events if you're an all-arounder or whatever it is. And in climbing, every single day is a different climb. It's not like you do the same climb over and over. So you're training this adaptability. And then if you add into that the upper body strength and endurance of the forearms, which is really hard to develop. It, that takes years. It's not like the big muscles. Uh, then you really have a recipe for someone who's got a good strength to weight ratio, incredible endurance profile, and can just absolutely excel and dominate on the American Ninja Warrior course. And that's why you've, the only people who have finished it ever is two rock climbers, Isaac Caldero and Jeff Britton. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah, I look at so much of the stuff that they do and uh, you the the amount of like <laughs> just endurance and fortitude that you would need in your forearms looks absolutely incredible. Like, I can't imagine how bad your forearms are burning at the end of doing a round. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's true for everybody. Everybody's forearms burn. But uh, when you're a climber, you know how to relax. You know how to let the blood flow back in. You know how to barely hold on to the holds and just use friction to your advantage. And you know how to optimize your performance so that you don't pump out and you don't get too tired. Is there any sort of, so it, we, we've had a rock climber on the show and he talked about, and actually I, I ended up going out with him in rock climbing and it was my first experience rock climbing ever, which oh, cool. was super terrifying. And, yeah. uh, and I, I really wish I wasn't, um, afraid of heights the way that I am. And, and maybe I just need to, I don't know, just keep doing it or something. But yeah, I, I feel like rock climbing is great for, for me because I also really like problem solving and puzzles and stuff like that and right, it's so cool right. that, that there's this like mental game to rock climbing where not only oh. is it physical but you need to sit there and like really think about like what's the best next move for me right now is it's there any of that yeah. in ninja warrior or is everything moving so fast and is there you you already know exactly what your strategy is going to be ahead of time yeah so as a climber we always know what our strategy is going to be ahead of time we get to glimpse the course during the rules they have a a tester go through uh, one time and we get to see what they do right or wrong. And we're always synthesizing what we call the beta. And uh, when we get the beta, we understand how to do it. And so there's a lot of visualization and we focus on very detailed, I'm going to twist my hips this way. I'm going to extend my shoulder. I'm going to flex my arms here. I'm not going to hear. I'm going to, you know, do a kip here. And so we're very, very specific about figuring out how to do the obstacles before we actually get on them. And I think that's also an advantage. And like you said, that's part of the very cerebral and intellectual nature of, of climbing. Yeah, that's cool, man. Do they, you mentioned having, you know, watching someone do a practice run through and all that, like how early ahead of time is all that? And are there any um, just obstacles that are kind of a given that maybe like the Ninja Warrior people tell you ahead of time are going to be there that you can try to practice those ahead of time or like build them out at your home or uh, how do you practice ahead of time? Well, sure. We build the stuff that have typically been a main part of the brand. They can't change everything because they, I mean, it's a TV show, right? They're 
a very successful TV show. And people think Ninja Warrior, American Ninja Warrior, they think Warped Wall. They think Salmon Ladder. And those elements are, have to kind of be there for the brand to kind of continue and be recognizable. So it's, it's somewhat of a given that those are going to stay uh, elements of the brand and of the course. So it's very easy. So we build salmon ladders. Uh, we practice the warp wall at the local gym. Uh, we build quite a bit of the course, but a lot of it is if you practice certain fundamentals such as swings and laches. A lache is when you throw your body from one bar or one set of holds to another set. It's like jumping with your arms. Hmm. And, and so if you practice laches, if you practice grips in, in specific positions like, like are well represented on the show, and then you, you do that while you're tired and you do circuit and interval training, then you, you have a good way to practice. But you're, you're right. There is not a lot of ways to, to know what's coming. We don't know what's coming. We see those testers run when they give us the rules. And that's like literally an hour or two before we run. <laughs> Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. So there's not a lot of opportunity. It's what in climbing we call an on-site comp. And on-site means you're trying to do it your first try without ever having touched the holds or feeling it. You know, you just get to look at it. It's on-site. And then you get to go and give it a try. And so climbers train that. Uh, we, we look at a, a climb or a boulder and we try and do it the first try. That, you know, there's something that's, it's like hitting a home run or something. It's, uh, it's one of the things in climbing that we like to try and do. Yeah. How has all this changed the way that you work out? You mentioned that you still do go to a gym. So it's not like you just do all your working out on, on home built stuff now. But does this change the way that you work out now? Well, first and foremost, in my life, I've almost never gone to a gym and worked out like with dumbbells or anything. I, I did when I was in high school. When I was a wrestler and uh, a gymnast. And I, yeah, I would, I would weight train then and get on a bike. But nowadays, I like to do most of my training in the mountains. It's just so good to be outside in nature. I think everybody will agree with that. Uh, so yeah, I, I do most of my training on, on my home gym, stuff that I've built. And then either that or in the mountains. And Ninja Warrior has changed my training because before in my life, I would never quote unquote train. I would just go out into the forests and find new boulders, clean them up and climb them or put bolts into a 300 foot wall and, you know, and, and rock climb it. And, and that's a lot of physical activity. Uh, but nowadays, yeah, certainly there's circuit training. There's more. American Ninja Warrior oriented training. And I found that it's really, really helped my climbing because it's made me so much stronger, both aerobically and anaerobically. So yeah, I think that's, uh, that's what I would say about that. I bet. Yeah. Just change your level of focus a little bit because you have the American Ninja Warrior in the back of your mind. So it just makes you a little bit more, I it probably like ups the level of intensity or something. Oh, it, day -day it, workout. Yeah. It's a great goal. It's a great motivator because you know, look, you're going to be on TV. You don't want to fail on the first thing. Everybody gets nervous. You know, like I'm super nervous. You know, I'm less nervous when somebody comes in with a knife in their chest. Actually, I'm not nervous <laughs> at all in that situation. But before I run the course, we're all super nervous. You know, it's like crowds of people and lights, camera, action. And in Vegas, there's fire. And, you know, it's just a big production. And you only got one shot and you've been training for it for, you know, months or some people would say their whole lives type of thing. Yeah, yeah, no. So there's an intensity and there's a focus that the show brings that enables you to, to climb in your levels of physical fitness and, and break through plateaus. It's really, really a great motivator. It's awesome. Times that you have have failed at something in the show, yeah. what do you attribute that to? Like looking back, <laughs> well, yeah. So I mean, which, everybody... which by the way, for all the listeners, if they don't know or like watch the show, like ninety nine point nine percent of people on the show fail. So it's not like, yeah, I mean, that's just what happens. But so, yeah, what do you attribute that to? Yeah, well, there's a lot of circumstances. It depends on the individual failure. So, for example, one year I failed on stage two. And, uh, and, and first off, as an aside, you don't really ever fail until you quit trying. So I, I don't like to view them, 
quite as much as failures as learning experiences. Mm-hmm. And so during those learning experiences, uh, when I fell, the first time, like, for example, on stage two, I fell because I was on an obstacle I had never done before. And I, uh, I think I underestimated its difficulty. And I thought it would, was going to be easier than it was. And everything on the show is actually a little bit harder than it looks, uh, looks like on the show. A, a lot of the ninjas make it look really terribly easy, uh, but it's very challenging. I mean, even a salmon ladder. And, you, you know, even if you're fresh and you do a salmon ladder, now try and do it after you've done like three wind sprints and 10 push-ups <laughs> and 10 pull-ups. Yeah, totally. You know, it, it's a totally different ballgame. So I underestimated one year. One year it was due to luck. We play the course how it lies. And I had to run after literally the first person to run after a three hour rainstorm. And that was in Kansas City. And the the log that they had there that I slipped off of the night before, it was very easy. And I did the exact same thing. And it was like grabbing butter, you know, like it felt impossible. And uh, I would have changed my approach if I had known how slick it was. But some of that is... um, you know, maybe strategy, maybe planning. I, I should have tried a slightly different technique knowing that there was rainwater on it and that was very slick. Yeah, so, and that was just unlucky running in the rain, you know, and it was still raining even a little bit. You can see on my run, everything dripping. And so that makes the course a lot, lot harder. And if I had been stronger, I could have, you know, maybe pulled through, but, you know, we're all only human. Everybody makes mistakes and uh, it, it's tough, but you try and learn from them. And I attribute, you know, my various mistakes on the course just to lack of experience. And yeah, which is it, so hard tough. because that's not experience you can then get. And, the, you know, it's oh, like they totally, might change yeah. the course or whatever. That's so difficult. It, it is. It is. And it's one of the challenges of the show. And it also gives it a certain kind of magic because, oh, man, you know, if a guy like Isaac or Jeff pull it off, it's like, wow, that is it, it's incredible. I don't think people realize how amazing that is. It's like winning the Super Bowl. I, I, you know, for, for us, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, they didn't get to run through that exact thing a hundred times before. That w- What you just witnessed when they went through it and completed it was literally the first time that they ever did that. Correct. Yeah, it's... Uh, That's so incredible. Wow. Yeah, it's unbelievable. All right, man. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about prep and stuff like that again. So um, to what we were talking about earlier with sleep, Diet, exercise, um, just discuss the role that all that plays in your ability to even do something like American Ninja Warrior and live the lifestyle that you live. Right. So every year my training starts around January. Um, I mean, I train year round, but January I increase the intensity, you know, tenfold. And uh, it's a great time with the New Year's resolution to refocus on my nutrition uh, to increase the fruits and vegetables and my dependence on, you know, having meat in my diet. And I decrease meat to about once a week at the most. And I really only a little bit of chicken or fish. And so I, I prepare my body by really putting clean, healthy fuel in it and sticking to a really good diet. And that starts to naturally bring my weight down. And so my weight will fluctuate through the year. When I compete in Ninja, uh, I'm down to a very healthy fit, you know, 175 or whatever. And then after Ninja, I, I, I get a little bit lax in my diet. I still try and be healthy, but I, I eat a little bit more meat and, you know, perhaps I drink some beer and relax a little bit um, through the holiday season. And I generally gain about five to 10 pounds until January. And so that's been my cycle. And that was kind of my cycle anyways before Ninja and when is Ninja Warrior, just so everyone understands like how long yeah, you're doing, right. going hard so, for? Right. So we film uh, regionals and qualifiers and finals in the cities. We film that anywhere from uh, March to May and generally in April for us, our region. And then Vegas finals is in June, in the middle of June. And um, so... That's where it all comes together. And that's where you need to be like in Olympic shape. You need to be at your absolute peak. And so, you know, uh, uh, sleep is very difficult for me. A lot of the ninjas don't have jobs like Brian Arnold uh, quit his job, for example, to focus full time. I wish I could do that. But with my family, I still owe debt for medical school. 
<laughs> you know, that seems like it'll never go away. I have a house. I've got responsibilities. Um, it's uh, sleep is is tricky. I have my job, and and that messes with my sleep schedule. But then again, you know, when when we film Ninja, it's all night long. It, they're night shoots, so it's really tough because you're up anyways. So. Uh, I'm kind of used to being awake, so it's almost like my job trains me a little bit for the difficult long night shoots. So yeah, totally. It's like you get a little bit of a leg up on those those individual days. Yeah, and prepping right before the show. Yeah, I try and take a week off from work before the show to get you know ten hours of sleep a day if I can. Oftentimes, I'll stretch. I'll kind of wind down my training, and we'll we'll taper, just like most professional athletes do. Uh, we'll have easier workouts. We'll work out for two hours instead of four hours, and it won't be it won't be maximum exertion. And uh, just try and kind of enjoy the whole thing leading up to it, and focus on the fact that we get to be on the greatest obstacle course in the world, and that it's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun being out there. Yeah, it look God, it looks like so much fun. It looks like so much I mean it looks so hard. Like like something <laughs> I could never even do one of the events, but my God, it looks like so much fun. Well, it's really cool. You know, you step up to the starting line and you, like I said, nerves, nerves, nerves. Everybody's nervous. But the moment that buzzer sounds and they say, Okay, go, it is like being freed. The nerves all melt away instantly and you start going and, and your training kicks in. Your, it puts you instantly into the zone. And, you know, the, the zone is not easy to get into. You hear people talk about it in popular vernacular, but I think very few people understand what the zone is or what it means to be there. But it's a very special place and it's like being in the matrix type of thing. It's, uh, you know, you, you, can, you can do incredible things. And it's like you're in like a dreamlike trance where you kind of let your subconscious brain take over the body and you just get to go along for the ride. And Ninja Warrior, the moment that buzzer sounds, you are right there and you're hyper aware. You can see the stillness of the water, the reflections of every light and just the the infinite complexity and beautiful, beautiful, you know, nature of reality. It's It's really crazy, man. It's a crazy experience. There's just something to be said for getting yourself to that position to where you're to where it all feels easy. Yeah. And when you're in the zone, it feels easy. And the moment you come out of the zone, it's instantly really difficult <laughs> and generally you fall. If you, if you leave the zone. Yeah, totally. God, that's so cool to have like that ultimate, like mind body connection like that. That's just the coolest thing, man. I, I, one time I, I was standing out on my back deck and this wasn't like a mind body thing. It was more just like a mind mind thing, but just some of the stuff that you were just saying sounds very similar, but I was standing out on my back deck and, uh, it was nighttime and this breeze came through and of all things, I heard one of the city buses here in San Francisco, but there was like nature around me and the city. And I had this experience for like 10 seconds that uh, for lack of a better term, was just this completely transcendent experience where it's like, I felt this level of like hypersensitivity and connection to everything that I've never really experienced before. And like, you know, um, like I'm part of everything and everything's part of me and yada, yada, yada. And when you, when you have a bizarre experience, like, or I shouldn't say bizarre, when you have a wonderful experience like that, um, this like altered mind state or this altered mind body state. And it happens for like 10 seconds. It's just like, how come, how come I can't have that like more on command, you know, like the ability to experience that. Yeah. So that is the definition of epiphany, right? Yeah. And, It's that's a very rare fleeting experience that I think everybody, you know, wants to or have as an experience. We every year we try and go to Burning Man, which is a lot like Ninja Warrior. It's uh, it puts you in a place where you are more likely to experience uh, epiphany, man, that those moments in life uh, when you experience epiphany, they're very powerful. Very powerful. I, I think that's something to strive for, but it's not like something you can decide to do or have. It, it's a transcendent moment that is like a gift for a, a fleeting uh, amount of time. Yeah, you just said it so perfectly. Anytime you're like trying to have something like that, it just doesn't happen. That's the whole thing is you have to not be trying to experience something like that. Yeah. That's funny. I did not realize you go to Burning Man. I, I, I'm obviously, like I said, live in San Francisco. It's like a huge thing in this city. There's very much like a Northern California, Colorado connection, you know? 
Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Pink Mammoth is here in Boulder. And yeah, we've been going, this will be our fifth burn this year. And a lot of the ninjas go, uh, it's a place to be radically self-reliant, uh, radically self-dependent, expressive, but you can have these incredible transcendent experiences there. And, you know, what is life if you're just working every day and you don't have a little bit of magic? Yeah. And Ninja brings that magic. Uh, things like Burning Man bring that magic. And having that spirituality, having that, you know, those magic moments in your life make you just able to appreciate the this wonderful gift that we have and and the dream that that we're all creating and a part of it's it's really cool and so i would recommend to everybody to check out burning man or just make more magic in their life absolutely man cannot agree more what you were just saying i've never been to burning man but i just recently went to lightning in a bottle which it felt a little bit like a mini burning man because it's about like four days camping all that and like no matter what Everyone just comes together at, at an event like that, you know, and, and it's, oh, yeah. it's such a great thing to for everyone to just be able to appreciate each other and everything. There's something very powerful about the level of connection that there is at an event like that. Yeah. Imagine if there was that level of acceptance throughout the world for, you know, coming wherever, understanding where everybody's coming from. I mean, there would just be a lot more peace. We would we'd probably have that Star Trek utopian society yeah. by now. But yeah. um, people get so wrapped up in dogma in their daily lives and what they believe is the only way you can live uh, and represent reality. Democrats versus Republicans type of thing. It's it's, it's a crazy world out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. So uh, let's, uh, let's start to wind this thing down talking about Wolfpack Ninjas. So talk yes. about your goal of starting Wolfpack Ninjas and if that's like changed at all kind of since you started it. Yeah. So no, the goal has not changed. My wife is also a physician. We watched a Netflix movie called Fed Up with uh, Katie Couric did it. And it's on Netflix. It's, it's very easy to watch. It's a great documentary. And it's about uh, the problems with the food industry and the problems with childhood obesity. And, you know, every day in the emergency department, I say the same things over and over. I'm like a broken record. And I'm seeing people when it's too late. I'm seeing people who are already diabetic, who are already going blind because of their diabetes. I'm seeing kids who are overweight, who are who now have diabetes, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, I'm, I'm quite honestly, I am sick and frustrated with saying the same things over and over at a time when, I mean, it's not too late. It's never too late, but when it's so far into the disease process, it is not natural for our kid, you know, for kids in general to be overweight or obese. And so the wolf pack, we have this great team of climbers who've done very well on the show. And we started, you know, getting, social media tweets and and all kinds of feedback from our fans saying, hey, I've started working out because of you. Oh, our family lost all this weight. We've decreased, you know, we stopped smoking and decreased sugar intake. And you guys are a great inspiration. And, I, you know, it was very easy to put two and two together and say, hey, look, we got this great platform. As a physician, I know a lot about this stuff. I know, you know, how to help people out. Why don't we just try and take what we have, do a little bit of social entrepreneurialism and make make Wolfpack into a brand that is really focused on making a dent in this massive problem, no pun intended, of, of obesity, overweight and obesity, diabetes. You know, when I started my career 10 or 15 years ago, it was called adult onset diabetes for a reason. Type 2 diabetes, we saw it in adults, they would get it later in their life. It was a disease that was growing, uh, and a lot of it was due to diet and processed foods. That's so but, funny. I almost forgot that it, that it was called that. I, <laughs> yeah. Now, it wasn't even that long ago that it was called that. That's really no, interesting. No, 10 years ago. Yeah. And now, yeah, adult onset, adult. And now, do you know how many kids have adult onset diabetes? It's, it's oh, it's unconscionable. It's, it's crazy. And our society's health has just kind of spun out of control. And this is our future. I mean, this is our kids. So anyways, getting back to the main point, Wolfpack is striving to, to make a difference in that. You know, the doctors have been saying this for years and science knows this. But who wants to listen? I'm sorry. Who wants to listen to doctors and dogma and science? And if, you, if we can be role models to these kids and we can say, yeah, the Wolfpack, you know, we don't drink soda pop because it's sugar. We don't 
you know, we do these things. We want to become ninjas and you can be too. Let's do these obstacles and let's do, let's have fun. That is a very, very comfortable, approachable way for kids to to know about their health and to want to become ninjas. And and so we want to grow the brand, grow the the message and make a dent in in childhood obesity and diabetes and cancer and, and really kind of, you know, we're patriots and we're all fathers, uh, except for Megan, you know, but she she loves kids. And but the rest of the Wolfpack, we have kids and we just want to see our future healthy and bright, just like every other American citizen. And so we're doing our part and and we want to grow the message and grow the brand. It's so great, man. There's literally no like no greater cause. Like what a wonderful like even if even if let's say you only change 10 lives, which already I'm sure you've changed hundreds, but it's like even oh, yeah. if you only change 10, it's not like, "Oh, you just changed my view on this thing. That's cool." It's like you literally in all those 10 lives could have prevented a heart attack, could have prevented type 2 diabetes oh, somewhere, totally. you know, 20, 30, 40 years down the road. Like, God, just what a major impact you're, you're making on these oh, kids' lives. Exactly. And, you know, and that's all, that's all we're really looking for. You know, I'm a physician. My wife's a physician. I think people can intuit that we don't, you know, we don't want for money. I, I'm, not, we're, I'm not in this for money. As a social entrepreneurial pursuit, if we made money, we would be, have money that we could donate to child obesity funds. And, you know, so, so we really want to, to grow this. Uh, we're, Right now, trying to consider, you know, should we do this as a 501c3? We're trying to get people who know something about business, you know, right? Because I'm a physician. Brian is, you know, a construction guy who's a ninja warrior. Ian's a student. Megan's a pro climber. So we really, you know, obviously need some help and we're trying to get some investment. We have some business partners who know about those things and they're trying to help us put together this Wolfpack Ninja Tour so we can go around the country and so that we can do something for kids. It's really exciting. We have an informational website. Kids can go for free and download their Wolfpack Ninja Cub certificate for dedication to self-improvement. And there's all kinds of information on, on nutrition and what the proper ways to diet and exercise are and how you stay away from soda pop and the problems with sugar. And it's really cool. It's great to be a part of. And and it's really neat to be making an impact and getting the feedback from the fans. It's awesome, man. I love it. What a fun, great thing to like a way for kids to connect with you. And I love on your website, too, how you speak directly to the kids and you but you also speak directly to the kids in a very adult way. You know, it's not it's not all like dumbed down for for little kids. It's it's just great. I I love everything about it. So please, like, let everyone know where they can find that. And if anyone listening is a, a lawyer or this or that and has any, um, like, advice to offer Noah, please just send me an email through my site and I'll, uh, you know, get in touch with Noah for you. But anyways, uh, yeah, where can people can people find you at, Noah? Yeah, well, the website is very easy. It's wolfpackninjas.com, wolfpack, uh, ninjas, and and then... You know, we're on social media. We're on uh, the Twitter, the Instagram. I think we're Wolfpack Ninja on on Twitter and Facebook and Wolfpack Ninja Warrior on Instagram. And uh, obviously watch us on the show. The website, we have eBooks that uh, have the Wolfpack training method for kids. And so it's a really good way for kids to start to embrace very subtle, easy, fun changes. And it, it, it's full of ideas for parents who don't want to go out and build a salmon ladder or a warp wall. You know, we've got these great ideas, very simple, you know, take some painter's tape and, and tape off squares on the carpet in the basement. And then you can, you know, you have this kind of modified hopscotch thing that you can jump through. And so we've got all these great ways to train that are very simple uh, creative ways. And so, yeah, contact us through the website, I'd say would be the best. Listen to our podcast, Wolfpack Ninja Podcast on iTunes. And we interview all the top American Ninja Warrior stars. We've got Casey Canzaro, Kevin Bull, everybody who who you've heard of and you know. And uh, we talk about health and fitness all the time. It's a very family-oriented podcast. And yeah, I mean, those are pretty much the ways. If anybody wants to follow me personally, I'm Climber Doc on Twitter and Boulder Doc on Instagram. Cool, man. I have three more questions for you before before I let you go. So, of course, one is: Do you feel more or less hopeful now about where things are going than you did five years ago in terms of the health of our children? So, I feel more hopeful. I feel more hopeful 
for a couple of reasons. First, because I'm an eternal optimist and I'm always more hopeful. Uh, second, because and I don't say this with any ego or arrogance, but because we're in the game and ninjas, things like Ninja Warrior is trying to make a difference. I mean, Ninja Warrior is a great concept. It's a great show. It's a great brand. And as a as a side brand, the Wolfpack team, you know, we are trying to make a difference and we are encouraging people where people are joining the club, becoming ninjas, uh, be, you know, becoming little ninja cubs and we're spreading the message. And so those things make me optimistic. The other thing that makes me optimistic, and this is great, they just changed the nutrition label so that within three years, they need now need to finally start adding the percent of sugar of daily allowance and the percent of added sugar into all our foods. And that is a huge, huge step in the right direction. Yeah, it's so wonderful. Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. So that makes me very optimistic. When people see that, you know, a Coca-Cola is like 130% of your recommended daily allowance of sugar, maybe they're going to think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have five Cokes in a day. Maybe yeah. I should just have one or, or none. Because totally, which is great that they, it's great that they're doing, how interesting, by the way, to even have any daily allowance of like, oh yeah, like I, the, the idea that this is 100% of my daily sugar, like as if it's some sort of uh, thing that just everyone needs to have every day, like be sure to get your daily sugar in. Yeah, it, you know, the studies that they've done on the lab, uh, on lab rats, where they take sugar water and cocaine infused water. And both of those things, both of those drugs light up the exact same part of the brain. And when given a choice, lab rats actually chose sugar water over cocaine-infused water. That is how strong of a drug sugar is. And in all of its forms, it's not like some of the forms are better. It's incredible. It spikes insulin in the body. It causes fat to be stored. It's a real, real problem drug. And, and people think of it as this benign, sweet, tasty thing that you give to kids and, uh, you know, you eat dessert, but it's actually a big problem. And, you know, we, we when you think about it, cavemen didn't ha really have sugar. You know, they ate fruits and vegetables and meat and that was it. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. All right, so let's leave off with a couple pieces of advice for people. So one, if somebody listening to this is already a pretty fit person, um, yeah. they would just like to take their fitness to the next level. What uh, What sort of advice would you give them? Well, without being too self-serving, we have written a couple of ebooks on fitness and training. So go to wolfpackninjas.com and I, I would just recommend getting the ebook and start training. You know, really it's all about taking those first steps and you got to have fun. You got to have fun with what you're doing. And so if you really, really want to take it to the next level, don't be afraid to apply to Ninja Warrior and start training for it. Just just apply, you know, maybe they'll accept you, maybe they're going to like your story and, and use that as a goal. Come up with a goal, you know, and, and it shouldn't be, I want to do 25 pull-ups. It should be, you know, I want to learn how to surf. I want to learn how to climb. I want to do something fun. And I, I would say that someone who's fit, that'll take them to the next level, get them out of the gym and, and put them in something natural and fun. Dude, I love that. That's <laughs> That sounds awesome. And then on the other end, if someone's just not fit at all um, they're just kind of like a more average person and they're not really focused on fitness what sort of advice would you leave them off with so if you're not really fit or focused on fitness it's really hard to start exercising and stick with it that is real it's really tough and a lot of times there's no goal it's just i want to get in better shape really to someone who's not fit i would focus on on nutrition i would decrease sugar like I would get rid of all juices in the house, all soda pop. I would totally decrease sugar to maybe a once a week thing. I mean, take it out of your coffee. Uh, you, you know, and and that is the most important thing you could do. Obviously, I would I would also recommend decreasing reliance on dairy and and uh, meat, especially red meats. And I would try and focus on eating a, a healthier diet because you know you don't have to exercise and train to be in incredible shape, but in to be in normal shape, you do need to avoid those, those dietary <laughs> vices. And so I would say if you're not in great shape, but you want to be a little bit healthier and you don't want to start in on crazy Olympic training or something. And, and we have a, a diet in the, the ninja diet as part of our eBooks. So, you know, you could check that out as well. Cool, man. Dude, Noah, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we really appreciate all the info and everything. It's been a pleasure. 
Blake, it's been a, a pleasure talking to you and uh, you asked some really great questions and uh, I, I'm definitely excited for get, to get that message out there and you're an awesome interviewer. Thanks so much, man. Hey everyone, it's Blake. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I wonder how I could help Blake out. First of all, you are probably the nicest person in the entire world. Secondly, all you have to do is just tell a friend about the show. I would really appreciate it. If you're sitting there and thinking, man, my job is really interesting, or man, I do this totally badass hobby. I should totally be on this show then you totally should be on the show. Just reach out to me on halfhourintern.com, my website. You can email me through there. And uh, if there is another job or hobby that you don't do, but you just want to hear about it, you can submit any sort of idea through the Submit Your Ideas link on the page. Thanks again for listening. Take care. So there it is, Half Hour Intern Interview. That was a lot of fun for me, and thank you very much, Blake. Everybody be so kind as to go over and put a follow, put a subscribe on the Half Hour Intern. Give a like, give a review. They've got great stuff over there. I'm telling you, we listen to their podcasts. It's really good stuff. A couple uh, points of business I want to talk about. We had an incredible turnout to our Wolfpack Ninja Tour event at the Village at the Peaks. We had over 2,000 kids and adults go through a beautiful truss Ninja Warrior style course. It was amazing. And if you missed it or wish you could have been there, we are going to be doing Peach Fest August 20th in Fort Collins, Colorado. There's going to be over 20,000 people there. And there's going to be a huge truss course set up. We're going to have multiple lanes. It's going to be unbelievable. So if you can, put that on your schedule. The other thing is we have some incredible interviews coming up. I caught up with John Stewart. We've got Casey Cantanzaro coming up. And next week, we have Josh Levin. Wait till you see what he does. When you, when you check out the show next week, uh, I can't tell you what happens, but let's say it's pretty amazing. Josh Levin's going to be here next week. Neat guy, neat guy. One of the best rookies uh, I think the show may have ever seen. Anthony Storm. We caught up with Anthony Storm. He is the executive producer of American Ninja Warrior and a total awesome guy, a friend of the Wolfpack and all the ninjas. He's a really neat guy, and he's the guy who makes the magic happen. So he'll give you a unique perspective on what it was like to experience the course going down at the hands of Jeff and Isaac last year, and just a whole bunch of other decision-making things that they have to do to decide who gets on the show and how to make the show as amazing as it is. Additionally, Sasuke, which is the original Ninja Warrior in Japan, that just went down, and I don't know if you were able to see it or not, but Drew Dreschel was involved, Brent and Casey were there. It was pretty incredible, and congratulations to Drew Dreschel for absolutely dominating on the course. It was a really, really, really hard course, and nobody finished the course, but Drew got so far and did so incredible and basically you know, was the number one guy there. So it was pretty incredible. Great representation out of Drew. We're going to catch up with Drew at a podcast in the near future. Well, we're going to wrap it up here in a bit with the tips. We got tips from the Wolfpack. And I just also want to say a huge shout out to Jeff Britton, who once again dominated on the course and made it look easy. That's a really, really hard course that they set up for you guys in the in the Northeast. Unbelievable. And it was interesting how the show started calling him the first American Ninja Warrior. So I think that's going to be the official standpoint of the show. And so that's interesting as well. Let's get to the tips. And thank you so much for joining us on the Wolfpack Ninja Podcast. Hey guys, this week I want to talk about tapering. There's been a lot of research done on this subject, and I recommend you guys look it up, find out the science behind it, because I'm not going to give that to you. I'm just going to tell you what works for me. And for those of you who don't know what tapering is, I'm talking about reducing your workouts and making them easier and just not going as hard before a Ninja Warrior competition. You want to make sure that your body's healed and all the workouts that you have been doing, all that time and energy spent tearing down that muscle and getting your body like really fatigued and you're going to let your body heal from all that so when that competition comes up you're going to be ready and you're going to be the strongest that you've ever been and you're going to be peaking at that time so what I do is I usually start about two weeks before the competition I'll just you know start going lighter on the weights that I do or I'll like just reduce my workouts in general. I just won't do as many. Or I just won't go as hard. 
And sometimes I will do a hard workout, but if I do, instead of just taking one rest day, I'll take two. So it's kind of a variety of, of different strategies that you can use, but the main theme is to take it a little easier and get yourself all rested and healed up so when the competition comes, you're ready. Like I'll go, for, I'll go to the gym, for instance, and lift weights on the days that I'm not climbing, but I'm in there and people are probably laughing at me at the amount of weight I'm doing instead of like doing dumbbell press with, you know, 80s or something. I'm over there with uh, 30 pound weights, just doing the range of motion just to stretch my muscles out and get a, a, a light pump and just maintain. So just reduce your workouts, use a tapering strategy. I'm telling you guys, it works. It works. Don't overtrain. I'll see you guys next week. Keeping track of your training is really important. I like to use my phone and a simple Excel spreadsheet to track my progress. Those who track their progress are more likely to make progress. Strive for an extra repetition, an extra climb, or an increase in the weight that you're using, or all three. But if it hurts, stop. Never train against actual pain. If something does not feel right, just stop. It's better to take a day off or a week off than be forced to take six months or a year because of an aggressive or extreme injury. Okay, I'm going to take a question today from Becky, who wrote us on social media. And you can also contact us through our website, wolfpackninjas.com. But she asks, I was wondering how you prepare for being on the show, which is at night and outside. How do you prevent tiredness? What if it's hot, cold, rainy? Some people fail on obstacles that were slippery from rain, which seems unfair. I'm interested in hearing your take or hearing stories about dealing with crazy weather conditions. Well, we figured that I would probably be the right one to answer this because I actually fell on the pipe slider last year after like a three-hour crazy torrential rainstorm, and I was pretty much the first one to run in city finals and just slipped off of a slippery log. Becky, it is unfair. That's part of the game. You play the course as it lies. It's tough. It's tough, but they can't really control for that that much, and we all understand that getting into it. It does make the course a little bit harder when it's wet, but they try and they try and adjust for possible weather conditions by adding grip tape and whatnot to the actual event uh, obstacles, and that does help. But it's still it's there's no doubt it's harder. Uh, for example, last year when Isaac Caldero had to do the body prop, it was soaking wet, and nobody did it wet. And so, you know, it, it, it definitely weighs a, a factor on the course. So there, in terms of preparing for that, you know, we do try and train sometimes in the rain. You can't really prepare ever for how the weather's going to, to change. And a lot of people wonder if we switch our schedules around because it is a night course and we run it all at night. And what I've found, and some people do, like David Campbell, he's notorious for doing it, but... If I try and change my shift or my night shifts around to where I'm exercising at night and sleeping during the day in preparation for the course, I just find that it makes me more tired and doesn't allow me to perform at my best level. So what most of us do is we just take it as it is. The first night, the first night's pretty good and you're tired a little bit, but you still have a lot of energy. It's usually the second and the third night. You haven't slept that well during the day. It really starts to add up, and it really is just another obstacle of the show, and it makes it quite a bit harder. But that's how it goes, you know, and that's American Ninja Warrior, and it's part of the challenge for us. It's just another obstacle, just like the weather. Thanks so much for your question, Becky, and if everybody else has questions that they want to ask to the Wolfpack, uh, you can ask a particular member of the Wolfpack to answer on our social media. That's at Wolfpack Ninja on Twitter and Facebook and at Wolfpack Ninja Warrior on Instagram. Or just hop on our website, www.wolfpackninjas.com. And there you can make comments on the show notes. People are leaving great comments there, and we respond to each and every one. So go ahead and leave comments there. Also, our ebooks are now available on the iBooks store, so go ahead and check those out. And we have a ton of questions and advice, question and answers about our training in there. Just search for the Wolfpack Ninja Cub Training Manual or the Wolfpack Ninja Training Manual. Or you could just search Wolfpack Ninjas and it should show up. It's a really good resource as well. Thank you so much for the question, Becky. It was a good one. And for any of you out there who want to ask a question, if we feature it on our show, we will send you out a poster or a t-shirt of your choice. I think the only way to gain success and to improve is to focus on 
your weaknesses because if you don't do that, you're never going to reach your full potential. You can keep working on the things you're good at and those things can improve and improve but if there's one thing you're not good at it's gonna be like your Achilles heel you're never gonna be able to reach your full potential and be as well-rounded of an athlete as you need to be if you're just avoiding the thing you're not good at all right great tips guys thanks so much for joining the Wolfpack Ninja podcast everyone it was kind of a longer episode and thanks for listening see you next week Thanks so much for joining the Wolfpack Ninja Podcast. If you liked it, please tell a friend. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It would mean a lot. Remember to visit our website at www.wolfpackninjas.com and join us on social media. We are on Facebook and Twitter at Wolfpack Ninja and on Instagram at Wolfpack Ninja Warrior. Join us next time for another exciting episode with your favorite ninjas and informative health tips. I have with me today the Ninja Cub, Zun Lee Kaufman. He's four years old, and he's awesome. Zun, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hey, Zun, what do you like to do to train for Ninja? Climb and do obstacles. That's about it. Who are your friends who also do Ninja Warrior with you? Baze Conrad. Baze and Conrad? Cool. That's Matt Wilder and Dan Yeager's kids. They're awesome. And what do you guys do? Do you guys compete with each other? Yes, when all the time. Okay, and what is some advice that you want to tell the kids out there? Try hard, but don't fail. Keep moving, but don't waste energy. That's really good. Keep moving, don't waste energy. Try hard. All right, Zun, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you very much.